Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. In the nearly five years since this show began, I've had the distinct honor and pleasure of meeting and interviewing many female documentary filmmakers. But despite significant discussion about increasing the number of women feature film directors, change is glacial. When it comes to Hollywood, there are almost 24 men for every woman director. My guest today is part of that statistic. Sophie Brooks grew up in London and L.A. She got her Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in film and television from NYU in 2012 and less than five years later has made her first feature film writing-directing debut with The Boy Downstairs. Sophie's brother, by the way, is one of the movie's producers. The Boy Downstairs, which premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2017, stars Zasha Mamet, perhaps best known for her performance as Shoshana Shapiro in the HBO award-winning series Girls. She plays a young woman who, after a few years living abroad, moves back to New York City. Unbeknownst to her, she rents an apartment in her former boyfriend's building. While The Boy Downstairs is Sophie's first feature, it's not her first film. The short, Malcolm, won second place in NYU's New Visions and Voices Festival and was followed in 2014 by Maple Leaves, which was screened at the Palm Spring International Short Film Festival in 2014. So let's meet and get to know Sophie Brooks. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Sandy. I'm happy to be here. So I mentioned in the introduction that you grew up in both London and L.A. How come? Yeah, so I was born in London. Both my parents are English, and when I was nine, um, just before I turned nine, my family moved to Santa Monica in LA. What was that like for you? Must have been real culture shock. It was. I really didn't want to move. We lived down the street from my grandma and I'm still very, very close with her and I was really sad to leave her. Um, but I remember vividly landing in LA and seeing palm trees and thinking, oh, that's cool. We've moved to paradise. Palm trees are very cool. Was the move based on your father's business or? Yeah. So my dad is a producer. So it just made sense for him. You know, film is great in London, but it's obviously a lot better in L.A. So it made sense for us to all move to L.A. Here you are. You're living in L.A. And now it comes time to apply to college. And it's interesting, isn't it, that you came to New York to go to NYU School of Film and Television when you're living basically in the film capital of the world? Yes. And there are great film schools in L.A. Um, and I, I originally actually went to NYU for photography. But then the summer before I started NYU, I was a costume assistant on a movie and kind of had to admit with myself that I loved being on film sets and loved being in that world. So when I was a sophomore, I transferred into the film program. And I don't know, I think when I was applying to schools, I knew that eventually I would end up in L.A. So I really wanted to have the experience of living somewhere else. And New York is the most exciting city. And when I got in, I was so, so, so excited to be going. But you didn't stick with photography. I didn't, no. I, yeah, I transferred my, my sophomore year, and that was kind of the beginning of my, of my film education. To be a photographer, your eye is behind the camera, just as it is if you're a director. So in a way, the transition isn't that massive, is it? Um, that's interesting. It's it's not in that capacity, but to me it feels quite different. In photography, it feels like you're capturing a moment, uh -huh. whereas in film, you're telling a story. So, you know, your job as a filmmaker is to have an audience hopefully connect with your main character and go on a journey with them. 
Whereas in a photo, you're just capturing a moment where you have no backstory, no idea what the context is, and you just are trying to get someone to relate to a quick moment. So, so there's similarities, but it feels different. I also went to NYU's School of the Arts. And when I was there, I am sure there were women in film, studying film, but you could probably count them on one hand. It was mm -hmm. just so not an option. I'm sure you were not an anomaly transferring into film your junior mm -hmm. year. Were there many more Sophies with you? The, that's still the case now in terms of um, professional filmmakers. There's, you know, obviously far, far, far more male directors than there are female directors. At NYU, it's a pretty 50-50 split in terms of the student population of male and female, which is amazing. In the but School of the Arts. In the school, yes, mm -hmm. in, the, in the film school. Um, but um, don't quote me on that, but I think don't it's worry pretty about close. It. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that is definitely part of the reason that I didn't initially think about directing or writing. It just didn't occur to me at first until my junior year when everyone is required to make a short film. And I was nervous about making one, and I also wasn't sure I wanted to, but it was a requirement, so I had to. And then when I ended up making it, it was the most fulfilling thing I had done creatively and it was so joyful and challenging and exciting and I just thought oh okay this is I'm pretty sure this is what I'm supposed to do so it was it was an exciting moment so I want to go back in time to your short Malcolm where did the story come from talk to us about that process Malcolm is kind of the um the outlaw of my films because it's a drama and all of my other ones are comedy or at least leaning towards romantic comedy. And um, it was actually a conscious decision because I knew that I wanted to work in the romantic comedy space. So I thought it would be fun and interesting for my first short film, try something different. And so I was studying abroad in Florence at the time and I came up with the idea. I, you know, it's it's funny. It's really hard sometimes to remember how you come up with the sure, idea. I understand. Um, I'm not totally sure where it came from. I do remember one of my roommates talking through the ideas with me and kind of helping me arrive at, at what I was doing. I would bounce some ideas off of her. But um, once I wrote it, yeah, it's it's interesting. It does kind of feel like it, it'll happen quite naturally. I, I wrote it and then I came back to school for the second semester of, of junior year and I worked with, so in for the class where you make the film, you're, you're part up with four a group of four and you all work in each other's projects. And, um, and I had a great group and that's how I met my DP through one of the people in my group. And I did kind of, at, at NYU, you very much do a professional system for making shorts. They're very serious about making sure you follow protocols. So, you know, you have to get insurance checks and you have to, you have to pass all of these checklists and you have to cast properly. So it was a really good lesson in how to actually make something mm -hmm. in a real way. And it was also just incredibly exciting to work with actors, which I had never done before. And the little boy who was in the film, the short film Malcolm is about a little boy who finds out that his, um, he, he spends the day with his uh, dad's new girlfriend and his parents have recently gotten divorced. So it's, it's um, kind of mainly following this little boy and then his mother and then the father's new girlfriend. Was the film personal? It wasn't. It's the only film I've made that wasn't personal to me. I mean, there's a degree of 
I think everything I do that is personal, but this is the, that was the most different for me. Definitely. Did you have the confidence needed to go out and make that movie? I did, you know, which I'm really grateful to my parents for, for giving me that, you know, they've always been so supportive and really believed in anything that I wanted to do. I, I, I had, I'm dyslexic. So, um, when I was growing up, I was in special ed for a certain portion of the day and I really couldn't read for a very long time. And even now it takes me a really long time to read. So I think to counteract that my parents like gave me a lot of confidence and encouragement. Isn't that great? Yeah. So I always had a pretty good sense that, that if I worked hard, I could, you know, achieve what I was going for. It, it was never like, oh, I got this. It's fine. It was very much like I, I need to work for it and do all of, put all the pieces together. But I felt, I mean, saying that, of course, like even when I stepped on set of my feature for the first time, I was like, oh my God, can I do this? This is terrifying. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's not, it's not easy, but, um, I, I, I definitely have a sense that if I'm getting to a point where I'm going to get on set, I, I have to believe in the work enough and myself enough to be doing that. Well, not for nothing, Sophie, you got second place for that film. Yeah, which was so crazy and encouraging and exciting. So now we go to Maple Leaves. Talk to me about that film. So I made that a couple years after I graduated school, and I was back in L.A., and it kind of came about in, a, in an odd way. Um, an actress approached me about making something, and um, she ended up playing one of the supporting characters in the, in the short, and I had made another short film between those two, my senior thesis film, All I Need, with um, two actresses who are now two of my best friends, Diana Irvine and Sabina Friedman Seitz. And when I was deciding to make this short in LA, I just asked them if they wanted to make another one. And so they came on board and then someone I went to high school with, uh, Alden Ehrenreich, who actually is now playing Han Solo, um, which is crazy, <laughs> came on board because he was a friend. And, um, and then I cast two other people and we shot it for next to no money at um, my friend's apartment. We had, it was totally opposite from NYU. We had like no permits. It was all, you know, kind of on the gun. fly almost. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, my DP who actually shot my feature, Stefan Weinberger shot that short. And it was very like, you know, three days, let's do this for as little money as we can. And, um, and just have, have fun and, and practice kind of, it was, a, it was a great experience and I'm really happy with how it turned out. I'm curious as to post college life, did you earn a living working on films? No, I actually worked in retail in a bridal store, like the character in my movie, not that original, I know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I worked in retail and then I nannied. Yeah, I, I babysat and worked in retail. But always with the idea in your head that you were going to be able to do what you wanted to do creatively and with film. You never gave that up. No, I mean, that was kind of the reason I chose those day jobs. It was a very conscious decision that I didn't want to get a job at an agency or at a production company that then, this sounds strange, but then would like give me some fulfillment <laughs> from, from doing well in, in that. I wanted to do it. I wanted to have my work be something that I wasn't thrilled about. So it would push me to write. Oh, that's interesting. And so yeah. where did that come from to think that I going to write and direct 
my first feature. How did you have the nerve to come up with that? That's a good question. I mean, I really think after I made my second short film at NYU, I knew it was what I wanted to do. I just felt really strongly in my bones that that was what I wanted to do. You know, but Sophie, knowing and doing are two (laughs) very disparate things. It's true. I'm a very self-motivated person. I'm one of those people who like can work out with just like at my house and like do, you know, like my friends will be like, how do you, I I have to go to the gym or I have to go to a class. I'm like, I don't know. I can just like, I can self-motivate. You're disciplined. I'm quite disciplined. So I made myself, I mean, by the way, I spent like a year working in retail um, and like nannying and not writing and like trying to write and fumbling around and being like, what am I doing with my life? Ah!" Mm. And completely panicking. And then when I turned 25, I kind of had this like moment of, okay, you can't just say that you want to do these things. If you want to do them, you have to sit down and do them every single day. Did you ever entertain the idea of having your father help you out? You said he was producing. He is. And he's an executive producer on my movie. So he did help me out a Mm -hmm. lot. And, Mm -hmm. and at first it was, I was, you know, a little resistant and stubborn and wanted to do it completely on my own. But then I realized that I had this amazing, and he wasn't on set, but he, he visited and he was certainly helpful in helping the movie get together. And I'm so grateful to, to his help and encouragement. And I, you know, I kind of feel like if you're in a position where you have someone who wants to help you and can help you, it would almost be unfair to other people to not take that opportunity. Mm -hmm, I agree. Um, So I was really grateful to his help. But, you know, when it comes to writing something, I was writing alone. So no one could really help me but myself with that. Mm -hmm. So where did the idea come from for the boy downstairs? Is it personal? It is personal. Yeah. So... I've never lived in my ex-boyfriend's apartment building. (laughs) Thank God. Yes, thank God. You know, I had the experience in college of breaking up and getting back together with an ex and and how confusing that is. And I I especially think when you're kind of in your early to mid-20s, you're still figuring out who you are. And then when you're in love with someone else, it's really confusing when sometimes what you want to do and your love for someone is is. conflicting. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to explore kind of a first love. And I knew I wanted to be in the romantic comedy world. After I made my short um, Maple Leaves, I was at home in LA and I just finished editing it. And I randomly got, oh, actually, you know what? This happened before I even shot the short. I just remembered. Um, I got hit by a car as Oy. a pedestrian with my friend. And then uh, a week later, I got appendicitis. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bummer. Um, and so I was kind of like in the hospital, just had surgery, like with like crutches and like had just gotten off crutch. It was just like a whole thing. And my brother basically moved into my apartment to take care of me. And while I was recovering, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if the only person who could take care of you in an accident wasn't a family member, but was an ex? And what would be the context for that happening? Uh And so the idea of, well, if he was a neighbor and he saw her get hurt, then he would obviously help. So that's kind of where the idea came from. And then once it hit you, it just sort of flowed? No, then I made very strict rules for myself <laughs> of um, of a timeline of when I needed to have a first draft done, when I needed to have 
second draft done when I needed to have like it completely finished basically. And I wrote five pages a day, five days a week until I finished it. Wow. Yeah. What was it like to raise money for that film? So here you are, a creative person with a story to tell. And then you have to, in spite of the fact that you did have producers, but then you have to deal with the mundane, which is very real. Yeah. I mean, I was really fortunate in that my brother, uh, who is a producer on the film, as you said, and Mm -hmm. Dan Clifton, who was his producing partner, came on to produce my movie, which was great and really um, wonderful. And then they had worked with the financing company at Motion Picture Capital before, and so had my dad. So when they showed it to them as potential investors, there was already a relationship, which was obviously very helpful. And then it kind of didn't become like a real thing in terms of they didn't sign on to fully finance it until Zasha Mamet was signed on to play Diana, and then it kind of became like a real movie. When it actually kind of got off the ground and you were shooting, were there a lot of males in your team? Yes, it was definitely more men, that's for sure. I did have a female production designer and costume designer and head of the makeup department. And how did you feel about being the boss of everybody? I loved it. (laughs) And it worked? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I was hiring people, I was very sure to to hire hire people, especially make sure the men I was hiring work were going to be cool about me being the boss. Um, and there were a few people I interviewed who I could tell weren't going to be, and I didn't hire them. So, you know, I think I think it's really important that you, or at least for me, that the people I'm hiring, like all the way, and I talked about this with my producers, all the way from my heads of department department to like PA is making sure that they are as good people as we can find, Uh (laughs) as as kind people as we can find. And I have always been a bossy kid ever since I was on the playground. So it came quite natural to me to, to be a leader on set. That's a great thing because who wants to get caught up in that crap? Yeah. How long did it take you to make this film? Well, at this point it's been about three years and it's coming out next month. It took me six months with a one month break to write it. And then we shot it in 21 days. Wow. And then a post I think was about maybe five or six months Mm -hmm. and prep was four weeks. So yeah, but the shooting was 21 days. It was quick. Were you influenced by other female directors and similar movie genres? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, I love I love Nora Ephron as a as a director and Delia Ephron, her sister, who mm-hmm. uh, is her writing partner, I, I, I love. And I really, as we were discussing earlier, I love uh, Something's Gotta Give by Nancy Myers. Yeah, one of my favorites. Such a great movie. I'm Oh, I love uh, Nicole Hofsena. I think she's great. I really loved Enough Said that came out a couple years ago, I think, maybe three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are kind of like the three off the top of my head that I like actively watch. Does being a female film director take a prominent place in your life? Or is it just, this is what I do, and we don't have to keep referencing gender? Well, this interview is an interesting time in the industry. So I kind of am of two trains of thought, I guess. I mean, I think... I don't know what it is to be anything other than a female film, filmmaker because I'm a female mm-hmm. <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah, of course, yes. So to a degree, it's like, yeah, I am. But what? But is that 
that's not all I am. You know, I'm a filmmaker and I'm a fem- female. So yes, I am both of those things. But but also, I think it's really important to to highlight female f- filmmakers for younger girls and younger women who are who maybe don't think that it's something they're capable of doing or it doesn't dawn on them and to say, here are some examples. I think that that's really critical. You know, you don't have to have be 40-something yeah. or 50-something. You can be a young woman. And I think that's really seminal. Yeah. I mean, I think Lena Dunham was like such a exciting um, example when I was in school. I was in college when girls came out and, and she was so young. I think she was 24. Right. And that was so cool. That was like, oh, wow, this girl is 24 and she has a show on HBO. This is amazing. So I, I totally agree with you. Talk about this movie. What is it like for you to have finished it? I now feel like I'm like, like my child is applying to schools and I'm like waiting to hear where she gets in or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so nervous. Um, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I'm like, is she going to get rejected? Where is she? What's happening? Um, I feel really excited, really nervous because it's always, you know, people love to be mean and love to love to criticize things, um, especially from a computer. So I'm scared for like mm-hmm. for mean comments, but I also am okay with it. And and I I also am very much of the train of thought of like, you know, my movie nor any movie is for everyone. And I hope that this movie connects to some people and that they love it. And I'm okay with the fact that some people it won't be for them, and that's fine. And you know, I've already done a lot of festivals, so I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, which has been great. Um, but of course, you always get. Uh, negative feedback too. So it's it's this weird thing where I'm so excited and I really feel excited for people to see it and I hope people I hope people love it. Um, but I also know that it's not a movie for everyone because I kind of don't think any movie is for everyone and and I'm okay with that. How do you feel about directing a film that's not yours? Um, well, I just finished a new script that is in the same tone as The Boy Downstairs, but it's a more ensemble piece about a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really want to direct that next. But I totally would love to direct someone else's script. I'd also like to write a script for someone else. I mean, I, I really feel feel open. Right now, I think I have stories to tell. So it feels most natural for me to write things that I'm going to direct. But if I read a script that I loved that I didn't write, I would have no qualms about about, you know, going to pitch for it. I would, I would love to do that. That sounds terrific. So can I put words in your mouth? Is the world kind of your oyster right now? What do you mean? Well, the fact is that you're in a really great place and that you feel really good about where you've been, what you've done, and where you may be going. Yeah, I think that, what did I say? My dad's friend the other day was asking me something about being a filmmaker. And I, I said, um, I said, I think that you have to have, or at least I feel like I have a massive amount of confidence and a massive amount of insecurity. (laughs) That's kind of where I live. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's funny because both of those feelings can propel you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they can be paralyzing, but they can also pull you out of that and have you march ahead. Yeah. As you look back to being in school and carving this niche for yourself... Are you really where you want to be? 
I am. I'm on the road, which is a line from my movie, which I didn't mean to do just then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, capitalize on it. What the hell? Yeah. Um, you know what? I feel I feel really, really excited about about where I am, and and I, like I can't believe that my movie is coming out and that people can go see it. Everyone who's listening to this, go see it. Oh, that's terrific. <laughs> Download it. Watch it. Um, yeah, I feel really, and I feel really excited for this year. I really hope I can make another movie this year. That's my goal, and that would be a great thing. So that's what I'm hoping to do. Well, you know, I also just want to say on my behalf for you, I think it's so wonderful to have young women who other women can relate to and maybe inspire. And that's part of what you're doing, whether it's advertent or inadvertent. And that is something that you should feel really terrific about. Thank you, Sandy. That's that's very sweet. And uh, if I'm doing that for anyone, I feel incredible about it. That's That would be great. Well, I bet you are doing that. And I'm really glad that we got to meet and have a conversation and that here's hoping we hear lots more from Sophie <laughs> Brooks. And I'm looking forward to seeing the boy downstairs. Thank you so much, Sandy. Nice talking to you. Nice talking to you, too. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. What about-